Welcome to The Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network. Here's today's moderator, Rich Brady. Welcome, and thanks for joining us. I'm Rich Brady, Chief Executive Officer at the American Society of Military Comptrollers and your host on The Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network. My guest today is Sunny Singh, President and Chief Executive Officer at Aon. Aon was formed in 2021 through the merger of Artland Consulting and Selkie Consulting. Aon has since moved on to acquire additional companies, while also being one of the five companies recently awarded a five-year, $1 billion contract with the Department of Navy for financial, accounting, and business process services. Sonny, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us. Thank you, Rich. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Let's jump right in, uh, Sonny. So a year ago at this time, uh, Aon didn't exist. Uh, talk to me a little bit about what brought uh, Artland and Selkie together. Absolutely. So I took over Artland uh, back in November of 2018. And part of the reason was to get in, and I'm not from the traditional government contracting industry. I have more of a business background. I used to be in the logistics industry and coming in and doing something different. Part of the reasons was I saw a need in the mid-tier market space. Um, and I felt something that, uh, that was something that was lacking within the industry. There were a lot of small businesses. There were a lot of large businesses. There weren't too many mid-tier uh, government contractors, and that's what I aimed to achieve. Um, and at Artland Consulting, we had a lot of success, and uh, we built a lot of infrastructure to co- sort of get ready to scale for that between uh, November 2018 when I initially took over and when we finally merged with Selkie from August of 2021. So within that time frame, um, one of the things that we lacked was uh, it, it was very easy to say, like, hey, we want to grow, we want to get bigger, we want to get bigger. It's not that easy to do. Um, so we teamed up with a private equity firm in earlier in, um, in early last year, in February last year, and part of the vision was to continue that. So how do we get bigger? How do we compete in the mid-tier market space? How do we exceed that? Um, and that was part of the reason for bringing us together. And who approached who? Did uh, Selkie come to Artland, uh, or you, uh, you looked for a company like Selkie and uh, uh, approached them? So it was mutual. Okay. <laughs> Nothing's ever mutual, but this was actually <laughs> mutual. Uh, we were out in the market uh, looking for very complementary businesses um, with similar culture, similar capabilities, um, and so with the organization, the leadership team that had a similar vision that we had. Um, and they were in the market space looking for a buyer um, to merge with or to glide with to uh, who, who, was, who had the same vision that they did. Yeah, a uh, Harvard Business Review article talks about uh, some of the difficulties in mergers and acquisitions uh, and really the difficulty with companies that are coming, coming from complementary uh, backgrounds. Uh, can you talk a little bit about merging the two cultures of uh, Artland and Silky into Aon? Absolutely. So uh, my, my view on it always has been that mergers and acquisitions don't fail because of contracts. They don't fail because of you know, revenue or money or anything else. They generally fail because of personalities and cultures. So if you take two organizations that think completely differently and have different vision and different ideas and their employees have been hired with a completely different mindset, it's generally not going to go over well. So the number one thing that we look for at Aon when we're doing an acquisition is a complementary culture. Uh, so between these two organizations, there, were, there was a heavy veteran presence. Um, there was very mission-focused. Um, um, and you know, even the two names, the, na- the way that we even came up with the name was taking leadership team from both organizations and sort of getting together and talking about what is it that we do. And we both came up with, we kept saying the same things over and over, which was, hey, you know, we go above and beyond. We try to advance beyond. We try to take our employees to go above and beyond. And that's where the name Aon even came from. So we felt like um, it was a perfect uh, culture fit. Would you say that in some respects, you know, changing the policies, the processes, uh, the systems, the organization is the easy part, but uh, changing the mindsets, the culture is the more difficult? 
I think they're all difficult. Right. There's pros and cons to all, right? Uh, I mean, one thing that we wanted to do, um, Artland was smaller of the two organizations. Artland was about a quarter of the size of Selkie at the time that we merged together. Um, so there, a lot of folks wanted um, more opportunity to jump onto different contracts and, and were looking to go further in their career, but there's only so much you could do with a 75-employee company. Um, at Selkie, they had done things one way. Um, and, you know, th- this was the way, and, and they were more in one space, and there were folks that were willing to learn and wanted to try to learn different capabilities. So bringing those two together was, was obviously, and a lot of times people think they want something, and when they get it, they don't really want it. Um, to understand that, to work through that is always, um, obviously a little bit challenging as well. But, you know, after you do it, do it the right way and you're up front with your employees and what you're trying to accomplish, people understand it. And we've, we've done a, um, we've had an excellent retention throughout the merger process. Um, changing the processes, I mean, accounting systems, things that you don't necessarily think right. about. Um, that could be challenging. Uh, pay cycles, benefits, et cetera, are, are, you know, something that we take into account prior to doing a merger and acquisition. Um, but you know, making those changes, yeah. It, it, generally, there's there's always going to be a hiccup, and somebody tells you they do it perfectly. You know, it's probably not being honest. No, absolutely. Um, what at, at this point in time now? What's your elevator pitch? Uh, what's Aon's elevator pitch? How do you how do you present yourself? Absolutely. So we're we're a mid tier government contractor, heavy focus on data management, data governance, data analytics, financial management. Um, being a big portion of what we do, uh, logistics, um, when with our recent a- acquisitions, um, engineering and learning management systems. And we implement RPA, robotic process automation, into everything and layer that into every capability that we have. Um, and we've had a lot of success doing that. What's your competitive advantage then? Uh, now that uh, you've merged, you've got these additional capabilities, what competitive advantage does that give you when competing in the marketplace and competing for government contracts? Absolutely. So one of the challenges in the marketplace is, you know, you're either, the way that government contracting works is you're either a small business or you're not. So one day you're out there competing with, you know, 5,000 other companies who are similar size, similar mindset, whatever it may be. And then suddenly one day you exceed that, whether it's based on revenue size standard or whether it's based on a headcount size standard, you're suddenly competing with the five, six large organizations in that marketplace. And that's a completely different game altogether. Um, and a lot of people struggle to do that. One of the reasons we were able to get into the space that we're in was acquisitions. That's why I'm, I'm pro-acquisition because it's you take different processes and you learn from what each organization has done right and you create it and put it into one. And that's what we're doing. We're doing best breed, best athlete approach even on processes. Um, and our competitive advantages, our entire team is, from all the organizations that we put together, is a lot of folks that came from small businesses, so we still have that small business feel. Uh, so we understand customer intimacy. We understand how important it is for our clients to be able to get a hold of us and let us know and that our client is actually our partner. So we're not a large where our client's going to see us once a year. We, we try to get in front of our clients as much as we possibly can. You've got that small business feel. I think you're uh, approaching about 700 employees, if not uh, over that now. You mentioned earlier you started at about 70, 75. So uh, what were some of the challenges with scaling up uh, uh, in that way to almost 700 employees now? Uh, the number one challenge was not being home as much as I wanted to be. <laughs> uh, not spending as much time with my wife and my son as I wanted to be. Uh, but, you know, really, it's, it's, that, that's, that's incredible growth. There's a lot of overwhelming, and communication is key. And a lot of things get overlooked. We're not perfect, but we try to get in front of our employees and let them know we're not perfect. We try to do as many all-hands that we, we can possibly do. But now when you go from, you know, 70 people to 700 people, you know, you, it's, it's, things do get overlooked. Communication does lag. Um, but we are trying to set ourselves up. And, and instead of saying, well, we did the best we could, we're trying to acknowledge, like, hey, we can do this better. 
So we'll try to do a quarterly all hands. We have a site set up where unanimously our employees can send us, uh, send us feedback um, and, and any issues or concerns that they may have. So absolutely, that was, that's a bit, bit of a challenge. So after the merger with, uh, with Selkie, you certainly didn't let any grass grow underneath your feet. Uh, you quickly, uh, I think this spring, turned to merge with or acquire two additional companies, Merrick and MTS. Can you talk a little bit about uh, those acquisitions uh, and what capabilities those bring to Aon? Yeah, absolutely. So again, you know, our point is to compete with the larger uh, firms out there. Um, and being in mid-tier, it's, it's hard to do that. So one thing that we want to do is make sure that you know, we're fully loaded with our capabilities. So when we go to clients, we can really tell them we provide end-to-end solutions. Um, and also, remember, we talked about it earlier, culture is key. So we can't merge with organizations that don't have similar values. So it's very rare that we find one in August and you know, we, we come together and then a few months later, we're, we find two additional. So we didn't want to let these two firms go once we got a hold of them. Um, the, one of the companies is also based out of Huntsville, Alabama. That was a place that we were very interested in having a presence. Um, and you know, engineering was what, what one of the organizations did, MTS, and that's something that we were very interested in adding in to our set of capabilities. Uh, and um, Merrick, the other organization that we acquired, learning management systems, um, was, was something that we felt like we were lacking. And when we were looking at more and more RFPs, we were seeing more of a need and talking to our clients. That's something that we absolutely felt like we could add on to our arsenal that would make us more successful. Great. Um, so those two acquisitions, uh, you know, it sounds like your growth strategy right now is focused uh, in the M&A area. Are you looking at any areas of organic growth? Absolutely. So we're, we're doing acquisitions so we can do organic growth. Um, we're not doing acquisitions just to put companies together to create a big company that's, you know, 10 different companies combined. It's really, hey, what do we actually need, again, to compete with the largest out there? Um, again, small businesses very rarely have success in the full and open market space. And those two that do generally get acquired pretty quickly. So to be in the space that we're in, it's fairly unique. There's not a whole lot of organizations like us out there, our size-wise. Um, and so we're, we're only acquiring these companies so we can go out and have additional organic growth. And we've, we've, um, we've had a ton of organic growth. So since the creation of, of since we uh, created Aon, or blended uh, Selkie and um, Artland together, we've won 36 opportunities all organically that didn't come from the merger. Um, so, you know, we, we've been very, we're very proud of that. Um, and that also tells us that, hey, our clients are out there. They know that, you know, we just merged, but they still trust us and they still trust our employees and they, they still know that we have our best interest and we're still going to go out and perform like we have been. Great. What, uh, you know, now that you, you've grown again uh, to the size, about 700 employees, uh, you've got additional capabilities. What, uh, what does this provide to your customers? What value does this provide to your primary customers in the Department of Defense or other government agencies? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Um, one thing, again, I, and I touched on it earlier, is when organizations get large, one of the reasons that we rebranded, right, it's, it's really hard to take one of the large firms out there and think of them as a small business. We, we, I mean, name it, right? We can't think, I mean, I won't even go in the industry. You can't think of Amazon as a small business. Right. It's really hard. Amazon is one of the largest organizations in the world. And it's really hard when you're a small business and your clients know you as a small business to think of you as full and open and think of an organization that can compete on larger um, opportunities that are out there. So one competitive advantage that we have is, hey, we still have that small business feel. We still touch that or try to touch our clients as much as we possibly can. We haven't changed who we are. Uh, and there's a lot of organizations that, you know, every organization says that, right? But we're actually trying to take actions to make sure that, that doesn't change. 
uh, and that be your differentiator. And um, we feel like that, and our clients are seeing value in that, and our clients hopefully tell you that, that we're still continuing to do that. You're listening to The Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network. We'll be back in a minute. The U.S. defense industry is large, complex, and competitive. It is also lucrative for those companies able to navigate it successfully. The American Society of Military Comptrollers helps bridge the gap between the boardroom and the battlefield while supporting transformation in the defense sector. The Business of Defense podcast brings you inside the companies working to achieve this directly from the business leaders and to understand how they create value for their companies and their customers. For more information on ASMC, visit asmconline.org. Welcome back to the Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network. I am talking with Sunny Singh, the President and Chief Executive Officer of Aon, a global service provider of transformation strategies, advanced processes, and comprehensive technologies to the Department of Defense and other government agencies. Sunny, thank you again for being with us today. You have a unique background. Uh, you are an immigrant. Uh, your parents are immigrants. Uh, you came to the CE role not through the traditional route of college, business school, consulting firm. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your background? What's your origin story? Absolutely. So I'm the son of a refugee. Um, my father moved here um, back in the early 80s due to a religious um, uprising in, in the area that we were originally from. I'm a Sikh American. Coming into it, um, growing up in the environment that I grew up into, education wasn't obviously always my focus. Um, so I didn't do that great in high school, um, but understanding the background, my dad is a cab driver in, the United, uh, in Washington, D.C. My mother's worked at a convenience store her whole career since we've been here. So understanding not wanting to do the same thing, I wanted to try something different. So um, right out of high school, I uh, got into traditional retail banking. Um, I did that for a while. I was very successful there. I became a branch manager at a very young age. And then right after that, I, I realized this isn't you know, what was next for me. This is not something that I wanted to continue doing. Um, so after that, I wanted to become an entrepreneur, um, but being very young, uh, and I like to say young, dumb, and broke, I realized there wasn't a whole lot I could do. Um, so um, I was able to find a small moving company doing about 100000 in annual revenue. Uh, it, was, it was a guy in a truck that, that was looking to do something different. So I, I took that over, and I was very fortunate to be able to scale that and, and grew that very significantly. And in 2013, I was awarded a prime contract to move military personnel domestically and um, internationally. Uh, and in addition to that, I received a couple of storage contracts for uh, military service members that were moving for storage and transit. Um, and in 2015, I was approached by a publicly traded company, Waste Management, um, to acquire my business and help them run their logistics uh, government division. Um, so I did that for three years. Um, and after that, you know, I, I like to claim I've never moved anybody in my life. And, uh, I, and I did had a lot of success there, so call it confidence or arrogance, whatever it may be. I felt like I wanted to have a different challenge altogether. Um, given that success and the opportunity this country has given me, I love supporting the government any way that I can. Very fortunate to be able to do that moving the storage industry, and I wanted to continue that. That was sort of the main thing I was looking for. And uh, my thought's always been a leader's a leader's a leader. So a good leader should be able to go into different industries and lead people. And the fact that I'm not from an industry, that was really helpful for me in the moving and storage industry. That I got a different viewpoint. Uh, got, to, got to look at things from a different viewpoint that folks that were in that industry their whole careers might not have necessarily thought about. Um, so I wanted to get into something completely different and try something different. And hence, that's where I landed on Artland and how I got there. Yeah, so you got a very diverse background. Uh, you, know, you started out in banking, uh, then moving in storage, 
uh, worked some time in the corporate world, uh, then came back into government contracting. What, you know, with that background, what strengths is, do you believe that brings uh, to the position you're in now? Understanding people. You know, I've seen all sorts of people. One of the things I like to say when I was in the movie and storage industry, you know, we, we used to have average uh, labor rate that we were paying was about $12 an hour. So, you know, we, um, majority of my employees, that, that's where we were at at the time. So to go from having $12 an hour employees and making sure, you know, that they're in the workspace that they need to be in and, and, and managing that to go into the corporate world and going to board meetings and, and dealing with fellow executives to now being in completely in the white collar space and dealing with, you know, folks with, with different backgrounds. Um, it, it's really given me an understanding of people. And I like to think of myself as a people person. Um, and to lead different type of people, it's, it's, it's an opportunity. How does this affect your uh, views on diversity, equity, inclusion in the workplace? You know, I'm, I'm very fortunate, given my background, to be in the position that I'm in. Um, I do feel like we, we live in, in a great country where this opportunity presents itself. Again, my dad is still a cab driver in Washington, D.C. today. It's not something he did for a year. It, it's what he's done for the last 30-some years. Um, and I'm the CEO of a company with roughly 700 employees. There's not a lot of places in the world that you can say that that's possible. Um, but that being said, there's obviously a lot we could do better in this nation as well, and I completely understand that. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be awarded uh, a diversity and business award very recently, um, and, and I also acknowledge that I think people of color, women, et cetera, do need more opportunity. So within my, our own organization, we've set up a DE&I council uh, employee-led and run. Uh, we have an employee-led and run women's networking group, um, and we try to do our part in making sure that we can reach out to fellow um, minorities or, or people of need um, to, to be able to present them and give them an opportunity at our organization that may not otherwise have one. You've uh, benefited throughout your career uh, by some uh, very strong mentors. Uh, can you talk a little bit about some of the advice some of the mentors gave you that helped you get to where you are uh, and what you're doing now to uh, mentor some up-and-coming leaders? Absolutely. So one of the, a lot of the advice is it's how you take it. Right, so one of the best pieces of advice I ever received was, uh, you know, be the best version of yourself. It's cliche. What does that mean, right? And I think, like, even if you and I, if I sat in your cha- uh, your chair and made the same exact decisions that you're making every single day, I might have a different end result. Or if you did that for me, you might have a different end result. I think we need to be just ourselves, right? There are some things that we're good at, and really, we don't need to change for other people based on what other people are doing. You'll see, like, hey, get up at 4 a.m. <clears throat> and read a book every day. That's not for everybody. There's a lot of successful CEOs out there that don't do that. There's a lot of successful CEOs out there that do do that. It's really based on your individual self. Um, and that's the same sort of message that I try, anybody that I speak to that has interest in growing up and going into this lane, this is the same message that I try to give them. So play to your strengths, is that, uh, is that your advice? play to your strengths. Great. Uh, let's go back to what we talked. One of the topics we talked about a little earlier, uh, and that was kind of the competitive landscape. Uh, you know, in some respects, you know, the defense budget uh, has been fairly stable. Uh, there's a request on the Hill for $773 billion this upcoming fiscal year. Uh, that's good for, uh, for the market that uh, you're in. Uh, at the same time, there's a lot of inflationary pressures, a lot of talk about uh, recession. And as you mentioned earlier, there's just a lot of competition out there. You're in kind of that mid-market space uh, where you've got to compete with the, the bigs on one side, the smalls on the other. So how are you looking again at the competitive landscape and the risks out there right now? I mean, the risks haven't changed over the years. I mean, obviously, I mean, now we're dealing with inflation and other things, but we were dealing with different challenges a few years ago, which, uh, you know, the, the, the labor market uh, and it hasn't gotten much better, but that was sort of the challenge that we had about a year or two ago. 
Um, so there's different risks all the time. So we just sort of need to be able to adapt to it. I mean, COVID was a big risk, right? We didn't know what the future was going to be or if we we're ever going to be able to go back and do things in person again. So there's always risks. And one, even when, once inflation is over and the competitive landscape changes, it's still going to be more risks that come about. So we as a team try to get together every week and discuss what we can do to you know, focus on our employees, to ret- have good retention, and make sure we're recruiting the best workforce out there. Is uh, the war for talent, uh, is that a challenge for you right now? Do you see that easing up uh, in the near term, or is it going to be some time before um, there's uh, a little bit more flexibility with the labor market? Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely a, a challenge, um, you know, but it also helps us get better. It, it's, uh, you know, we need to make sure that we're doing the right thing and we're providing proper benefits and we're tr- trying to set our culture. It keeps us honest um, for all organizations. I think every CEO will tell you that. Yes, it's not great to have, um, you know, the, the challenges that we're all facing now in the labor market. But at the same time, it's making us a better organization at the same time. So what's next for uh, Sunny Singh? What's next for Aon? Um we want to continue to grow organically. I mean, you mentioned it earlier. I mean, we've done a lot of acquisitions. We did those for a reason. We didn't just do them to put them together. We did those to provide a better, continue to provide excellent service to our clients. So we want to make sure that, that we can actually act on that now um, and go out there and prove to our clients, hey, there's a reason that we put this together and continue to be successful that way. What are some of the opportunities you see out there right now uh, coming out of government? I mean, there's, uh, we're 70% focused in the Department of Defense. Um, so those, that's where majority of our work is. We also have a big presence at NASA and at FAA. Um, so there's opportunities across the board at every agency that you know, we're, uh, we're at right now. But we'd also like to break into some agencies that we're not. Um, and I think having success that we have, we continue to demonstrate that even with these organizations coming together and Aon being formed, if our success continues, it'll make it easier for us to go to our clients or go to clients in different in- industries or agencies and say, hey, we, we've proven it here. We can do this here for you as well. What are some of the challenges that you, you run into when uh, looking to break into another agency or another area of government compared to the Department of Defense? We just don't have experience in the area. That's generally the number one um, challenge that we have. And, you know, now being a large organization, not competing with small businesses anymore, it's, it's that much more competitive to get into that space. So we try to make sure that not just for our employees, but we're also good teaming partners to smalls and large organizations out there. So um, we have a wide variety of organizations that we work with that may be in different agencies, and we, we try to do our best to be good partners to them as well. Has your teaming strategy changed uh, over the, the last few years, you know, going from a, a small to midsize? Uh, are you looking for more prime contracts? Are you still working to, uh, uh, to work as a sub to a prime? What's, uh, how, how does that mix look going forward? Generally, the way we look at it, whatever is best for our clients. The way, the way we can continue to support our clients, whether that's via a prime opportunity or a sub opportunity, we're open to both. Um, what has changed is, hey, now that we're a large, we are obligated for most ways to uh, sub out some majority of, uh, some of our work to small businesses. So we want to make sure that we have the right small businesses that we're teaming up with. Again, culture is important, not just when you're acquiring, but when you're teaming as well. So we want to make sure that we're teaming up with organizations that think the way that we do, that have similar mindsets and similar um, ways of retaining and uh, hiring employees as well. What uh, leadership advice would you give uh, or general managerial advice would you give to somebody uh, coming into uh, into this industry? Um, be the best version of yourself. I said it, said it before, said it again, and this is a people-focused business. Without our employees, we're nothing, literally. I mean, we, without our employees, we have a bunch of laptops and, a, um, and an office space. You know, so, I mean, this is a people-focused business, so make sure you're listening to them, make sure you're talking to them. You know, walking the hallways, I think, is critical um, as, as a CEO. We can't just be in a, in a, in a locked space and, and not hearing what your employees are saying, so it's, it's critical to do that. I'd like to thank today's guest, Sonny Singh, President and Chief Executive Officer at Aon, for his insights into Aon's corporate strategy, mission, culture, and services. 
Watch us again next month where we will bring you inside the companies working to drive transformation in the defense sector, to hear directly from their business leaders, and to understand how they create value for their companies and their customers. I'm Rich Brady, CEO of the American Society of Military Comptrollers, and thank you again for joining us. You are listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search ASMC. Thank you for listening to The Business of Defense, sponsored by ASMC on Federal News Network.